Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We are continuing what I regard as a very exciting study in 2 Peter chapter 2. St. Peter, the first pope, in this epistle is warning against false teachers in the church. These aren't bad guys out there at some distant secular university. No, these are false teachers in the church. And in 2 Peter 2, we're starting in verse 6. This is talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. They're saying, a final judgment you don't have to worry about. They're denying the second coming of Christ, and by doing so, they're denying the final judgment with Christ, and Peter is showing first, where we just saw the first few verses of um, this chapter, chapter 2 in Second Peter, about the flood and the angels that sinned in Tartarus, where they were sent in judgment. And now we are in mid-sentence, I want you to know that, starting in verse 6. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction and made them an example to those who were to be ungodly. In other words, pay attention, false teachers, because this is here to keep you and warn you from going down the wrong path. And it says, And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the licentiousness of the wicked, and for by what that righteous man saw and heard as he lived among them, he was vexed in his righteous soul day after day with their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they are not afraid to revile the glorious ones. And we have two groups here, a lot vexed by what was going on around him and the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah. Our first pope is describing both of these groups in the Catholic Church. And I'm not picking on the Catholic Church because there wasn't any other church at the time this was written. It was a Catholic Church. And there were false teachers in the first century, seriously false teachers, as well as there are in the 21st century. And what we have here, I, I told you that verse 6 starts in mid-sentence, because what Peter does here is he joins the flood, Noah's flood, and Sodom and Gomorrah together. Both of these come from the first half of the book of Genesis, and According to Peter, they serve as those twin stark reminders and warnings to Catholic Christians then in the first century and today that those living in open rebellion to God's will and teaching others to do so will face certain judgment, just like the flood brought judgment, just like Sodom and Gomorrah brought judgment. And what both groups were doing pre-flood days of Noah, as well as what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, 
is flagrant rebellions against God's created order. When you see that, you know that a culture or civilization is just hanging by a string. And you might say that applies to the modern world and our world here in the United States as well. I just want to bring to your attention a word, one word that you probably have never heard anybody <laughs> make much of. But here in Second Peter, we have the word ashes. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, this was a very fertile very wealthy region, and having too much of the good stuff, I'm talking about money. I mean, I mean I, I'm not a socialist, and I'm not anti-money by any means, but having too much doesn't always help us. It says, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes. This is the only use of this particular Greek word in the entire New Testament, and it's interesting what other scriptures and what other ancient historians say about ashes and Sodom and Gomorrah. For instance, in the book of Wisdom, one of the seven Catholic books that aren't in Protestant Bibles, Wisdom 10 and verse 7, it says, evidence of their wickedness still remains, a continually smoking wasteland, plants bearing fruit that does not ripen, and a pillar of salt standing as a monument to an unbelieving soul. That's Wisdom 10.7. This is from the historian Josephus in his work, The Jewish War, the fourth book, the eighth chapter. He describes the basic dimensions of the Dead Sea, and then he says, neighboring country of Sodom. It's not too far from the Dead Sea, and for many years, archaeologists have tried to find location of ancient Sodom and Gomorrah, including using submersibles in the Dead Sea to try to find it. But it says it was once thriving with crops and wealth in the cities. Traces of the divine fire is yet to know. In other words, you can still see it in the shadows of the five cities as well as ash. And remember 2 Peter chapter 2? talked about turning Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, that unique word. The region around the Dead Sea is called the land of ash by the ancients. And our first cousin epistle, and it's a little bit of a shame the way the New Testament outlined, because when we close out our study in Second Peter, we're going to start studying Jude. But if you Turn the page after 2 Peter, you find 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, then you find Jude. But Jude and 2 Peter are like two sides of the same coin, very, very similar. And one used a lot of information from the other. Hey, they were the same apostolic church. But Jude, verse 7, says this. There's only one chapter in Jude. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So in other words, from wisdom, from Josephus, from the ancients, from Jude 7, Sodom and Gomorrah, the fire that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, there's warnings left, right, and center in the New Testament, especially on the lips of Jesus, about the eternal 
fire of torment of those who don't repent. And this includes those false teachers in the church leading others into sin. Now, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, but I'm not switching gears because here's my concern. It's a big concern. One of the greatest hits to the reputation of the greatest church on earth has been the clerical sexual abuse scandal. And people obviously in the church and outside the church, young people are asking how in the world with a priesthood and doctrines and standing for what's right through the centuries and having been persecuted and survived, how can you have so much homosexuality because that's what it was primarily driven, the sexual abuse Christ? How can this get away? And I can tell you a primary driver. Our first pope is right, and by the way, I, I just feel like I am drawing closer to St. Peter than I ever have in my whole life by spending a good bit of time in this epistle. And here you have the first pope warning Catholics about false teachers, and he is using Sodom and Gomorrah as a warning and the flood under the days of Noah as another warning, twin warnings in the same Greek sentence. Now, here's my point. In the vast majority of Catholic colleges and seminaries, young people who want to know more about God, seminarians who want to be ministers of God, are told that Moses didn't write Genesis. It's claimed that Moses did write Genesis at the command of God, and thus it's divinely inspired revelation with divine authority behind it. And this authority, our, our first pope, is using as evidence not to be led down the primrose path to hell, because this is the eternal fires of hell. And he's saying Sodom and Gomorrah is an example of this. The place must have burned incredibly. And so, like a seminarian today, I would dare say about 95% of Catholic seminaries teach what's called the JEDP theory. That's basically there's multiple ancient authors of Genesis, and it wasn't Moses. And I don't I, at least I haven't found too many Catholics who have digested this and realize that this originated in a Lutheran seminary in Germany by a, a scholar who adapted the theory of evolution to biblical studies. He wasn't trying to be evil or anything about it, but he taught it to his students. Every single one of those young German Lutheran seminarians lost their faith. And this man, a liberal scholar, but to his credit, openly he wrote a letter claiming personal responsibility for what he did. And now that theory is being used in Catholic seminaries all over the place. Now, let's go to southern New Mexico on July 16, 1945, at 529 a.m., and it was the Trinity site where the first nuclear weapon was exploded. Okay, and it got really hot, somewhere between 11,000 and 1,800 degrees, and we'll leave it at that, then we'll move to modern times. There's a Christian archaeologist by the name of Stephen Collins who went to the Holy Land, or actually the area around the Dead Sea, tried to envision that area as it is described in Genesis as Abraham viewing uh, the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
He has basically discovered the city of Sodom. They have dug, you can go online, see YouTubes, the very gates of Sodom where Lot was uh, sitting have been revealed. This is across the Jordan River on the Jordanian side. And they were digging around, they found this green stuff. And it was like a, a green emerald type of thing. And one of the volunteers helping at this site was a military vet. And he had been around the Trinity site where the first nuclear bomb went off. And when they exploded the bomb at this extreme heat, 11,000, 1,800 degrees, guess what happened? The sand and a few other minerals were turned into this substance called trinitite. And when they were digging around, they saw this green stuff, signs of a fire, obviously all these historical accounts. And this military guy says, that's trinitite. I've seen that before. So they took it back to New Mexico, had it analyzed. Extreme heat. Back then when Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed, they were you know, maybe advanced campfires and stuff. They had no way to make any kind of heat like that. And I have in my hand some trinitite and I have a uh, nuclear radiation guarantee that even if I'm holding it, my hand isn't going to glow tonight. I hope this, this is accurate. But I have a piece of that trinitite, and the same thing was found at Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's my point. Your kids are going to go to Catholic colleges with professors, and your son may go to a seminary with professors who'll say Moses didn't write Genesis, and therefore Sodom and Gomorrah, a pious myth, but blow it off. Now, get a packet of trinitite. You can buy them on eBay. Get the report by Stephen Collins. His book is called Discovering the City of Sodom. Have your kids do a book report on the discovery of Sodom and Gomorrah. This isn't pious myth. This is real stuff with a real warning. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 301 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.